Return to Camp Blood, episode 29. Is that you, Jason Voorhees? Is this me? This episode is brought to you by Friday the 13th Franchise.com. Jesus Christ. Jason's alive. He killed my friend, now he's coming to me. He's got a death curse. Jason's a legend. I'm Mrs. Voorhees, an old friend of the Christie's. Jason belongs to hell. You're doing if you stay here. Never come back again. Welcome to another episode of Return to Camp Blood. I'm your host, Oz, joined by my fellow counselors, Chris. Yo. Eric. What's up, y'all? And our counselor in training, Landon Evanson, who we're welcoming to the show who we featured on a Community Spotlight episode, which you can find at campbloodpodcast.com slash 26. Hey, what's up? Happy to be here. Well, campers, tonight is our Friday the 13th special episode, and to help us celebrate the occasion, we have a very, very special guest with us, my favorite jet, Jason, the legendary Ted White. How are you doing tonight, sir? I'm fine, thank you, guys. And like I said earlier, and I'm trying to be redundant, uh, it's an honor to be on this. I, I do appreciate it. Uh, I guess most of you know, and if you don't, I'll tell you again. Uh, I've retired from the convention circuit. I'm going to do one more, uh, and that's going to be next year. Uh, other than that, uh, I'm off that circuit, and uh, that's going to allow the younger Jason to get out there and make a few bucks. You know, anybody who wants to meet Ted, you know, has one last opportunity at uh, at Horror Hound in Cincinnati uh, come March 18th through the 20th. Um, so anybody who's in and around that area, uh, make sure you get it. Don't pass up the opportunity. This is Ted's farewell, farewell convention, and it will be worth it. I think three of us at least are planning on, uh, being at that convention. Um, I, I personally always go to the horror hound shows cause I work them, but I know, uh, Eric and, and Landon, I think are planning to be there too. So we're, we're looking forward to, uh, seeing you. I know one last time before you, uh, before you hang up the, Hang up the sharpie and uh, call it a call it a career. Um, so <laughs> well, let's say this, let's that. put it this way. Let's call it a, for the last ten years a career. Uh, prior to that, it was you know the motion picture industry, and uh, put it all together. That's sixty years of hard work. It's time for an old turkey like me to retire, retire and do a little hunting and fishing. Yes, hey, sir. Now, you're, now you're talking. That's my kind of spare time right there. So let me let me cut in here real quick. Um, this is Chris Ted, and yeah, um, normally normally I'm the host of the show, but um, I've been working a lot of hours lately, and um, I didn't even I wasn't even supposed to be here uh, tonight. So um, it's it's cool that I got a chance to talk to you. Um, and um, I'm sorry to steal your thunder, Eric, but I I, I want to say this since I'm not the host tonight. Um, we actually have a connection with you, uh, sort of, kind of, and that is the fact that. Uh, earlier in your career, you were John Wayne's stuntman, correct? That's correct. Okay. Well, John Wayne did a did a movie about the Flying Tigers. Well, um, me and Eric were actually um, in the Flying Tigers because that is still a squadron going on today. So there is our connection to you, sir. <laughs> well, I, I got to tell you what. That goes way back before my time, guys. <laughs> I, I met I met John Wayne in nineteen I think it was nineteen fifty six uh, on a show. Well, that's not the first time I met him, but that's the first time I worked with him. And that was a movie called Rio Bravo. But 
prior to that, uh, uh, I was in the service. I was in the Marine Corps. And uh, I had heard, and, and of course, I had seen some John Wayne movies. Uh, but yeah, that's the first time that I ever worked with him. Uh, what a great guy he was, and uh, I, I sorely miss him. I miss him very much daily. Go ahead with what you had to say. Love the Duke. Love the Duke. And yes, your your likeness compared to the Duke is uncanny, sir. <laughs> well. It's uncanny if I have his clothes off and on and his walk, but other than that, we're totally different people. I mean, <laughs> we're so different. We're so different. It's laughable. Uh, but you know what? Uh, movies can take care of all that. Uh, we can do things that make you think it's him. And ninety-nine percent of the time, it was him. I didn't do. Uh, I didn't do an awfully lot. I, I did a lot of horseback work for him. A lot of the fight work for him. Although he was a great fight man. Uh, uh, he invented some of the ways fights are taught in motion picture business now. Uh, I, I, you know, I, there's a lot of things I can say about him, but I don't want to take up your time going into how much I think about the Duke. Uh, uh, it's more than I can even express. Oh yeah, hey man, take all the time you want to talk about the Duke, man. <laughs> he he deserves any kind of time you want to attribute to him. Now on Rio Bravo, is it true that you went you went there because you were actually you you were you were a marine on Iwo Jima, correct? Yes, it was. And uh, you knew the landscape of Iwo Jima the best, and so is that kind of how you guys got together with? Well, well, it was and it wasn't. Uh, I, I was going to the Naval Hospital in San Diego, and I was called a walking wounded. I had shrapnel in both legs, and uh, over a period of time, that shrapnel starts working its way out and they have to make a small incision and pieces the size of your fingernails come out. So I was walking wounded. I wasn't hospitalized. And uh, they were doing sense of Iwo Jima, and they wanted someone as a technical advisor. And uh, so I was the one that was picked, and I went, and that's where I met him. Uh, I only was on the thing for two and a half weeks, and then I was back to the hospital. Uh, I later went back to Texas. That's where my home was. And... Uh, uh, I, there was a very good friend of mine in the hospital there, a major in the Marine Corps that was a close personal friend. He'd been badly wounded. And uh, his wife called me after I was home for about, I don't know, 25 or 30 days. And she said, if you want to see Art, you're going to have to get back. He's very, very bad. So I flew back and uh, I missed him. He, he passed away before I got back. Uh, while I was there, I went ahead and, and rented a car and drove up to L.A., and went to Bank Jack Operations, and at that time, Wayne was making another movie in town, uh, which I, at this time, I, hard for me to remember exactly what the name of it was. Uh, but I talked to his son, Mike Wayne, who was the producer in Bank Jack, and his other son uh, was the actor, of course. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that that was that was the first time that we met was on Sands of Iwo Jima, and then the second time was when I walked on, <laughs> walked out there, in Arizona, a little western town with his clothes on, and he looked up, and uh, I don't think he really remembered me too well, because <laughs> the last time he saw me, I had on a Marine uniform, <laughs> and he said, how are you doing, kid? And then it kind of dawned on him. He said, Ted, isn't it? And I said, yes, sir, it is. And uh, that was the beginning of a great friendship. Did you ever go hunting with the Duke, sir? Not with the Duke. I did with Clark Gable. Gable and I hunted and fished together. Uh, Wayne and I, uh, 
I went down and was on his boat a couple of times, but uh, uh, socially we, I don't know, it just seemed like it never materialized. I did with Gable and a few other guys that I doubled, uh, but Gable more than anybody else. We hunted together and fished together. Uh, and there's a great story about, well, I don't want to go into any stories about Gable, but uh, go ahead with your questions, guys. I was looking over your IMDb webpage, and um, I mean, I know you had worked with some of the, the most legendary, you know, actors in the in, in show business. But um, you know, I mean, the, the the shows that I grew up watching, I mean, uh, that you appeared on, I mean, I was just blown away. And you know, you, I think, are the only person in the entire Friday franchise that could could rival that of of Betsy Palmer as far as a career. I mean, well, I, um, I, I think I go beyond Betsy Palmer. I think I started in the business before she did. Yes, sir. You did. And I, I brought that point up to him, uh, earlier in the week. I actually started in 1956. Holy God. That's, that's when I got my first uh, screen actors guild card. Yeah. I, I, it was, it's because some of the, the movies that you, that you were in that, um, you know, I, I, when I watch them again on cable, when they, when they, re, when they show them, I'm like, Wow, I didn't even really, like. There's Ted White, you know. I, I just watched Against All Odds, you know, like a week or two ago, um, and was, and you were the security guard at the end that that he's fighting in the uh, in the office building. And I was like, oh my god, I've seen this movie probably twenty well, times, and me, I never realized. That, let, let me tell you about that fight in that office building. That okay. fight in that office building, that room was a ten foot by ten foot real office building, and we were up thirteen <laughs> stories. The only time uh, Jeff was doubled was when the guy comes in through the door and bulldogs me over the desk. But the mere fact that Jeff did the whole thing and uh, I couldn't baby him. I had to slam him into the wall. Uh, I had to hold him by the neck. All the things I had to do. And I tried to explain to him before. The room was too small to double him. Uh, the only time we could double him was when, from the back when the guy ran from the door and bulldogged me over the desk. You, you did what three, uh, three, no, three I, pictures with Jeff Bridges? No, I did four. The first one I did oh. with him was Tron. The second one was Cutter's Way. The third one was Against All Odds, and the fourth one was Against Starman. Oh yes, okay. Yeah, you had told me a, a kind of an interesting story about um, about Jeff Bridges. Did you want to share that with the other guys? Oh, you talking about with Starman? Yeah. Well, we were we were shooting in uh, Mississippi at a bus stop about 20 miles out of town, and we were shooting in the evening. And uh, as we pulled up, uh, there were three or four newspaper men there waiting to interview Jeff. And uh, we all sat down in chairs outside uh, of the uh, uh, building, and uh, they were talking to him about different shows he'd done and so forth. And they called him inside for a shot. So as he got up and walked away, he said, well, talk to Ted. He just finished a movie. And uh, so when he left, they said, well, Ted, what did you do? And I said, uh, I did a, a movie called Friday the 13th. And they said, what did you do in that movie? And I said, well, I was Jason. They said, Jason? And I said, yeah. You know, I didn't, at that time, I had no idea uh, how big Jason was and so forth and so on. And I just, I didn't think anything about it when I said it. I just, I was Jason. Well, the next day when we came back in the evening around 6.30, 7 o'clock, the parking lot was packed with cars, and as Jeff and I were driving in, I said, you're going to be signing autographs all night. Look at all these cars here. <laughs> and as we're driving in, they all start hollering, 
where's Jason? Where's Jason? He said, who the hell is Jason? <laughs> I said, that's me. <laughs> so that, that's my one funny story with Jeff. But there's another great guy. He's a wonderful man to work with and a real athlete from the word go. And for that movie, he worked out six months in advance, and he was in great shape. Uh, that fight didn't hurt him a bit. Oh yeah, yeah. He, I, 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 I was I was once deployed with a guy who could recite literally every line from the Big Lebowski. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he was he. You could tell he was definitely an athlete when he, when he did against all odds too. I mean, he was in great shape in that movie too. I mean, the guy was. Guys, uh, and, and he's just a heck of an actor uh, in addition to that. And I tell you what, he's a wonderful man. If you meet him, you can't help but like him. He's as down-to-earth as he can be. He doesn't have that star complex. Uh, he's just a wonderful, wonderful all-around person. Uh, oh, I'd, I'd love enough, to meet him. I can't say enough good things about him. Uh, that's just awesome. Your fellow Friday the 13th alumni, every Everyone that we've talked to, we've we've talked to Miss Adrian King, we've talked to Ari Lehman. He has some great stories about you, sir, and <laughs> punctuality, <laughs> and all the all these people, and they all go back to you, and it, it's been unanimous. They've all raved at what a good person, a great human being you are, and I mean. And I'm thinking from hearing these people talk how nice they are, and, and they're giving you complete accolades, and it's just so impressive. I mean, yeah, who would have Don't thought? Don't forget, Eric Anderson had, had, I mean, was just. Oh, yeah, he was very, too. He, he was singing praises to you too. I mean, you just, how, how, how great you were to work with and how, how great of a guy you were. And, I mean, he, he couldn't say enough. Well, you know what? They're fair, they're scared to say anything bad about me because I tower over most of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, no, you, you know killed, what? You killed most of them. So. All of those guys that played Jason and all the people that I worked with in that film were wonderful people. Most of most of the people in the one I did were young kids that had done maybe one movie. Some of them had done had hadn't even done one, and they were wonderful, nice kids, and they were learning the business. And to me, it was a pleasure to be able to work with them and help them along and and then later on years later watch different movies that they were in and saying well I had a chance to work with them first uh, and as for them saying nice things about me they don't dare say bad things about me they know I'll come after them <laughs> <laughs> um one of our listeners um had a question for you and this is um this is from Ray from Cleveland um he uh, is really was really interested in the um, the basement scene where you are where you kill uh, Eric Anderson's character Rob. Um, now I know that the house adjacent to the Jarvis house was um, was built for the movie, but he was uh, in particularly concerned with um, where in the world, so to speak, uh, the basement was. I've heard some stories, but I, 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 I'd like you to answer that, if you don't mind. <laughs> well, I wish I could, because I don't remember. I Fair do enough. Know. That happened. That movie was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that was 1984, wasn't it, guys? Somewhere along in there? Yes, sir. I was, it was filmed in 83. It came out in 84. Yeah, you know what, Ted? That was the year I was born, so... 
<laughs> no oh, worries if you don't oh, remember. <laughs> guys, guys, you got to be you got to be aware of the fact that on January the twenty fifth, I'm going to be ninety. So I'm an old turkey, and for me to remember something that happened in 1984, I forgot my wife's name back then. <laughs> hey, I, I I told him that I would ask you, and uh, so there there it is, me asking you. <laughs> uh. Now there there is one question that I I wanted to ask you about your performances, Jason. Now, do. um, there's a scene where you come through the window and you grab Corey Feldman's character, Tommy Jarvis. <laughs> And yeah, sure is. Then uh, he loved that scene. I'm telling you. <laughs> that's a, to me, that was my moment of, of that's the moment I cherished most in the whole movie. <laughs> awesome. Do you want to elaborate on why? Why was that? <laughs> oh, I could I could go on about that for another 30, 40 minutes. Well, Have number you ever one, met Corey Feldman. Uh, well, yes. Yeah. Number one, I think he was 11 or 12 years old when we were making the movie. And Ninety percent of the time, he didn't have anything to do, so he was very mischievous. He was always into somebody's hair, always creating a little problem for this or for that. And he would get behind me and uh, take a little stick or something and tickle my ear or something and drive me crazy, really. And and I told him, I said, "Don't come around me because if you do, I'm going to pinch you and you're going to run. You're going to run to your mother. So stay away from me." <laughs> and a couple of times I did get a hold of him and pinched him, and he'd run to his mother crying, and she'd say, I've told you to stay away from Ted. And so we had a little <laughs> ongoing battle. <laughs> so when I went through there and I had the opportunity to grab him, I put my arm around his neck, and I want to tell you something. That was not in the film. That was not supposed to be shot that way. It is in the film. <laughs> it wasn't supposed to be shot that way. I thought I had the bastard for the first time. <laughs> I put the arm choke on him, and he was so horrified. And if you look at his face, that's true horror, because he knew that I had him. And two seconds later, he threw up all over the place. And they had to cut, they had to cut, they had to redress the set and put new clothes on him. And everybody else that got it on him had to be cleaned up and... <laughs> Joe Zito came to me and he said, Ted, can you do that scene any different than what I said? If you don't print that, you're never going to get it again because you'll never get that close to me again. <laughs> that's that's funny because I, I, I have met Corey Feldman and he did tell me that that scene was the scariest thing he's ever shot. But he did leave out the part where he puked all over the place. That's a oh, he did. Now, Tommy's sister then grabs a uh, a hammer you, you seem like you're a pretty physical guy is she hitting you in the face or in the mask no 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 that's just no matter how physical you are no matter how big you are no matter how tough you are anybody hits you in the face with a hammer you're done <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you're on your back looking up at me if you can still see no that uh that hammer was a fake hammer and uh you guys know what that is, uh, props. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's just a lightweight thing. It doesn't really hurt. But I want to tell you this much since we're talking about it. The girl that I did the fight with, and she has the machete and stuff, what a trooper she is. What a true trooper she is. Uh, I actually had to kind of have to handle her because I can't do it very easily because it's not going to look like what I'm supposed to be as Jason. And I told her this before we did the scenes. I said, I'm going to have to be a little rough with you, but I won't hurt you. But it's going to look rougher than what it's going to be. 
and she said, I can handle it. And she did, and she is a trooper. Uh, I can't tell you enough how much I appreciated her attitude and her being the kind of a person she was. It stood up and did all those things with me and never whimpered, not one single time, never said, i got to have a break, never said, check my makeup. Most actors or actresses will have that makeup checked in time or doing a scene like that. She never She's a real trooper. You know, what a pleasure to work with. I will always remember her. Uh, no matter where I go and people I talk to, I can't praise her enough. She's a wonderful, wonderful lady. Well, Ted Blando, I got a question for you. I know you've traveled around a lot of conventions and whatnot. I know you say you're wrapping that up. You're going to be doing your last one. But uh, I love asking this question just because the answers are usually absolutely spectacular if you've been doing it for 10 years plus. What is the strangest request you've ever received from a fan at a convention? that real quick. My wife went with me two times, once to Germany and once to New York City. We were in Queens. We weren't in New York City. Anyway, two ladies walked up to my desk in their early 30s, both really nice-looking ladies, and they were looking at all my pictures, and uh, the one lady had on a sweater with a zip-up all the way down the front, and after, oh, I don't know, maybe six or seven minutes, she said, uh, Mr. White, would you mind signing under my breast? What? And she said, signing under my left breast. And I looked over at my wife, and she kind of shrugged her shoulders. I said, well, I guess I would, yeah. Well, she unzipped her sweaters. And guys, I hope this don't go out all over the world. She had the best-looking set of tits I've ever seen. (laughs) Sorry, Ted. Uh, uh, We we go out to... um, uh, probably over 70 countries. countries. So, <laughs> well, it's not, it's not, it's not that bad. Every woman out there has them. So, you know, anyway, I sent under it and, uh, down at the other end of the building was a tattoo people. And she went right down and had it traced over and had it tattooed in and came back and showed it to us. That's, uh, that's exactly what I thought of immediately when she asked, I thought she probably went and had it tattooed. Yeah, she did. She had it all tattooed in. But honestly, guys, I don't think there's any part of the body I haven't signed on, and uh, <laughs> men, men, men and women, uh, and I can't tell you about a man because that's going too far. But I, all I can tell you is uh, he wanted me to tattoo on it. It's hard, so you can figure it out from there. I have to tell you, I've asked I've asked a lot of people that question, and that is hands down the best response I've ever heard. Well, <laughs> well. My wife couldn't wait to get home and tell her mother about it. And she said, well, did you let him do it? He, he said, she said, well, Mom, how am I going to stop him? These are people that have tattoos all over their bodies, and uh, this is the way they want to, you know, keep his name and memory and so forth. Uh, oh, I forgot to mention, on her left breast was a picture of me with the mask on, tattooed over the top of her left breast. Now, was uh, that why they were the best-looking tits you've ever seen, or was it because of the breasts themselves? We have to ask this. You know, for science... We we got to know that for science, Ted. Well, I'd have to say this. They were the best I've ever seen. <laughs> you know, my wife... Yeah, you know, you know my wife's not listening to this phone conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the best. <laughs> well, I, I've got to tell you, though, guys, it, it, it's been... The 10 years has been the most wonderful, glorious 10 years of my entire career in the motion picture business and in the uh, convention business. I've met some of the wonderful, greatest people. I'll always have memories 
to the day I die of all these wonderful people I've met over the years. And I still communicate with so many different people through the computer, just a regular phone here at the house and mail. Uh, it's something that's it's very hard to explain to guys that haven't ever, have never done a convention. But once you get out on that convention and you're sitting in your chair for eight or nine hours and talking to, you know, one person after another, you meet so many beautiful personalities and people that have all the respect in the world for you and treat you with, well, you can't believe the kindness that you receive from these people and the, and the accolades and, and they go on and on about your career and it makes you feel like you're you're a John Wayne or a Clark Gable when you're nothing but a lonely old stunt man out there trying to make a few bucks. But it it gives you a chance to say, for once in your life, people appreciate what you do. Yeah, well, we definitely it, do. I mean, yeah, abs- absolutely. The the way that I mean, our podcast, of course, is Return to Camp Blood. So you know, we love this series. And I was born in '78, and. Friday the 13th came out in 1984, and that was my first horror movie that I saw at the movie theater. And, I mean, it scared the holy crap out of me. Same here. And yeah, that, was, that was my first Friday that I saw at the, at the theater, too. And, I mean, that final chapter is just, to me, stands by itself as one of the scariest of the entire an entire franchise. I mean, some of them are hokey and goofy and whatever, but that one, that one legitimately scared me. Well, thank you, guys. That's a, that's a hell of a compliment. I wish Kane Hodder could hear that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I, I, I make no, I make no mistake in, in telling people that that Part Four, Ted, it was my favorite Jason. And I mean, I, I try not to say it to anybody to to, to their face. If if I was to be asked um, if there was distance between us, I might give an honest answer. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Kane, Kane's a great guy, and he and he played a great Jason, but I, I'm still partial to the part four Jason myself. Well, that's a lovely compliment, and I thank you very much for that. I did so very little in it to get that kind of an accolade. I feel very honored that you feel that way. Well, I wouldn't say you did little because, I mean, it may have felt like you did little, but, you I mean, you, you I mean, set a standard. Yes, you did. And, and I mean, Jason in that film – is more menacing than I think than any other film of the entire franchise. And, uh, and that all is, is because of the way you, you portrayed the character and the way that you, you know, your movement and everything. I mean, that's what kills me about people when they say, Oh, well, Jason just walks. He doesn't run. I'm like, did you see part four? He's freaking running after Trish. And you know, that, I mean, he's you know, back and forth. Heck yeah, yeah. He's running. You know, I nearly got fired in that shot. The one where you're chasing oh, Trish from house whoa. to house. Yeah, that, I, really? I think that was the first. I think it was either the first or second shot I did as Jason in the movie. And when I chased her across, uh, the director said, "Cut." He said, "What was that?" And I said, uh, "Well, I'm supposed to chase her across, and that's what I did." And he said, "Yeah, but you were running." And I said, "Well, yeah, I'm not. I'm not crippled, and I'm not, you know." <laughs> Uh, if she's running, I'm not going to catch her walking like Boris Karloff. Uh, I've got to run to catch her. Well, it just so happened that uh, the executive producer, Mancusco Jr., was sitting not too far away, and he came over and said, what's the problem? And uh, Tito was saying, well, he said, he's running. And he said, you know, I saw it too. And he said, uh, if, you know, if I was directing, I'd say that's a great way to start it because then the people are going to find out later, did he catch her or didn't he catch her? 
And if he does a Boris Karloff walk like the rest of them have done, uh, they're going to they're gonna know. He, so that's how it all started. And, uh, but I, I never felt like that Jason was a cripple. I always felt like he was athletic enough to, if he's athletic enough to kill people and catch them, uh, then he should be able to run. So that's why right. I did. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, and and uh, that that's really why I, I respect um, Derek Mears's uh, portrayal in the the 2009 reboot because he sort of brought back that essence of Jason. Because pretty much after you, um, well, part five, you know, that was not actually Jason, and then from part six on, he kind of played you know walking zombie type. So um, he did he did power walk. He did power walk. Uh, yeah. As the last person to play, um, quote unquote, human Jason. Um, yeah. You, I, I don't even have words right now, Ted. <laughs> well, <laughs> let, let, let me, let me, let me, let me take it another step further. If you're in a room where the person you're after can't get away, naturally, then you're stalking them. Then you can move slow and deliberate. Uh, but out in the open, if you're that slow and you're doing that Boris Karloff walk, there's no way in hell you're going to catch him. Before you can get to him, they'll get a gun and shoot you. I mean, that's how I looked at it. Uh, and, and uh, well, I guess that uh, I guess the people that saw the show afterwards, uh, after it was made, kind of went along with what I did. Now we have asked this question to um, several of the of your Friday counterparts. Um, have you seen any of the other movies or, uh, I mean, you know, I know a couple of people, they, they've only like watched the ones that they were in, like maybe once or twice, but have you watched any of the other ones? No, I have not. Guys. I, I wish I should. I should I, I'm embarrassed to say that, uh, <laughs> I, I, but I haven't. And, uh, uh, you know, we had all the Jasons here in Los Angeles. This was six or seven years ago. I can't remember exactly the time frame. And we had it over to a, uh, an old couple store in Burbank, and they sold all this Jason memorabilia. And uh, they got us all there, and uh, the people lined up for a block to come in and see us. And we didn't charge a nickel. Uh, we signed all the, the photographs and different things they bought from the store, and the money went to the two older folks that owned the store. And Derek Mears uh, was there, and he came over to me and shook my hand, and he said, I want to tell you, Ted, I watched your portrayal of Jason, and he said, I tried to be you. And I said, well, what a hell of a compliment. And he's really a nice guy. Very, it shows. Nice guy. It, it, yeah, it, it does. It does. It does it show. Does. It does. definitely does. And Well, I'm glad, I'm glad somebody else took up the gauntlet. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I have a question, and, it's, and it involves still the same scene. Right, right after you get... Uh, right after Trish is hammering you in the, the face with the hammer, and then she sticks the forks in the back of your neck, then the next scene, you bust through the door. Uh-huh. And w- it's absolutely epic. But the stance that you are in, is that a John Wayne stance? <laughs> <laughs> you dog. <laughs> how, how dare you call that a John Wayne stance? You're damn right it was. <laughs> now, you know what? Uh, when the special effects guys were, were, were rigging the door up, they said, Ted, uh, how much do you want us to, you know, delete this, to put this thing together? And, uh, of course, they scrab all the wood and so forth. And it's 
percent balsa wood. Any one of you guys could walk through it. It's not not a big deal at all. And I said, well, I'm going to hit it with a lot of force. And I said, I'd like to see the wood shatter and, and go out, and, you know, which makes it look a little more dramatic than what it really is. And uh, so that's how that happened. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people have have talked to me about that busting through the door scene. But all of, the only one has ever said that John Wayne says, I could kill you for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll have your chance in March. <laughs> but I'll be dressed up like you. Uh, you know what? I'm looking forward to meeting you three. I really am. We'll have a beer together or a cocktail later. Wow, that was, uh, that was the legendary Ted White. What a fucking great guy, man. So... Anyway, please rate, review, and subscribe with wherever the hell you listen to the show. And if you want to su- support the show financially, head over to campbloodpodcast.com slash donate. If you have a, a question or want to vindicate a theory, you can go to our Facebook page or tweet us at campbloodpod. Or send an email to feedback at campbloodpodcast.com. You can also text or leave us some voicemail at 757-637-0216. And please consider checking out some of the other shows on the Tangent Bound Network, like the network's flagship show, the Tangent Bound Podcast, Astro Radio Z, or The Hateful Dead. You can find these shows and many more at tangentboundnetwork.com. A special thanks to the Downriver Rat for our intro and outro music. You can check out his music at thedownriverrat.com. Until next time. So hang on. Um, are, are you saying that uh, the first time you met John Wayne, it was at Iwo Jima? That's correct. So he, um, what branch did he serve in? Was what? he also a Marine? Wait a minute. I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> what branch of service was John Wayne in? John Wayne wasn't in a service. John Wayne was doing a movie about Iwo Jima. Oh, and, oh, oh. And okay. Ted, yeah. I, I, and okay. Ted, Ted was there. All right, all right, all right. Hang on. Let's put some space right here. Let's cut that out. <laughs> I don't want to sound like a dumbass. <laughs> all right. Uh, leave, everybody that part, care- leave that part in about the dumbass. <laughs> don't, don't take that out. <laughs> There's our blooper.